Chapter 43 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains, by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Active operations at Astoria. Various expeditions fitted out. Robert Stewart and a party destined for New York. Singular conduct of John Day. His fate. Piratical pass and hazardous portage. Rattlesnakes. Their abhorrence of tobacco arrival among the walla wallas purchase of horses departure of stuart and his band for the mountains the arrival of the beaver with a reinforcement and supplies gave new life and vigor to affairs at astoria these were means for extending the operations of the establishment and founding interior trading posts two parties were immediately set on foot to proceed severally under the command of messrs mackenzie and clark and establish posts above the forks of the columbia at points where most rivalry and opposition were apprehended from the northwest company a third party headed by mr david stewart was to repair with supplies to the post of that gentleman on the okanagan in addition to these expeditions a fourth was necessary to convey dispatches to mr astor at new york in place of those unfortunately lost by john reed the safe conveyance of these dispatches was highly important as by them mr astor would receive an account of the state of the factory and regulate his reinforcements and supplies accordingly the mission was one of peril and hardship and required a man of nerve and vigor it was confided to robert stuart who though he had never been across the mountains and a very young man had given proofs of his competency to the task four trusty and well-tried men who had come overland in mr hunt's expedition were given as his guides and hunters these were ben jones and john day the kentuckians and andre valar and francis leclerc canadians mr mcclellan again expressed his determination to take this opportunity of returning to the atlantic states in this he was joined by mr crooks who notwithstanding all that he had suffered in the dismal journey of the preceding winter was ready to retrace his steps and brave every danger and hardship rather than remain at astoria this little handful of adventurous men we propose to accompany in its long and perilous peregrinations the several parties we have mentioned all set off in company on the twenty ninth of june under a salute of cannon from the fort they were to keep together for mutual protection through the piratical passes of the river and to separate on their different destinations at the forks of the columbia their number collectively was nearly sixty consisting of partners and clerks canadian voyageurs sandwich islanders and american hunters and they embarked in two barges and ten canoes they had scarcely got under way when john day the kentucky hunter became restless and uneasy and extremely wayward in his deportment this caused surprise for in general he was remarkable for his cheerful manly deportment it was supposed that the recollection of past sufferings might harass his mind in undertaking to retrace the scenes where they had been experienced as the expedition advanced however his agitation increased he began to talk wildly and incoherently and to show manifest symptoms of derangement 
mr crooks now informed his companions that in his desolate wanderings through the snake river country during the preceding winter in which he had been accompanied by john day the poor fellow's wits had been partially unsettled by the sufferings and horrors through which they had passed and he doubted whether they had ever been restored to perfect sanity it was still hoped that this agitation of spirits might pass away as they proceeded but on the contrary it grew more and more violent his comrades endeavoured to divert his mind and to draw him into rational conversation but he only became the more exasperated uttering wild and incoherent ravings the sight of any of the natives put him in an absolute fury and he would heap on them the most opprobrious epithets recollecting no doubt what he had suffered from indian robbers on the evening of the second of july he became absolutely frantic and attempted to destroy himself being disarmed he sank into quietude and professed the greatest remorse for the crime he had meditated he then pretended to sleep and having thus lulled suspicion suddenly sprang up just before daylight seized a pair of loaded pistols and endeavoured to blow out his brains in his hurry he fired too high and the balls passed over his head he was instantly secured and placed under a guard in one of the boats how to dispose of him was now the question as it was impossible to keep him with the expedition fortunately mr stewart met with some indians accustomed to trade with astoria these undertook to conduct john day back to the factory and deliver him there in safety it was with the utmost concern that his comrades saw the poor fellow depart for independent of his invaluable services as a first-rate hunter his frank and loyal qualities had made him a universal favourite it may be as well to add that the indians executed their task faithfully and landed john day among his friends at astoria but his constitution was completely broken by the hardships he had undergone and he died within a year on the evening of the sixth of july the party arrived at the piratical pass of the river and encamped at the foot of the first rapid the next day before the commencement of the portage the greatest precautions were taken to guard against lurking treachery or open attack the weapons of every man were put in order and his cartridge box replenished each one wore a kind of surcoat made of the skin of the elk reaching from his neck to his knees and answering the purpose of a shirt of mail for it was arrow-proof and could even resist a musket-ball at a distance of ninety yards thus armed and equipped they posted their forces in military style five of the officers took their stations at each end of the portage which was between three and four miles in length a number of men mounted guard at short distances along the heights immediately overlooking the river while the residue thus protected from surprise employed themselves below in dragging up the barges and canoes and carrying up the goods along the narrow margin of the rapids with these precautions they all passed unmolested the only accident that happened was the upsetting of one of the canoes by which some of the goods sunk and others floated down the stream the alertness and rapacity of the hordes which infest these rapids were immediately apparent 
they pounced upon the floating merchandise with the keenness of regular wreckers a bale of goods which landed upon one of the islands was immediately ripped open one half of its contents divided among the captors and the other half secreted in a lonely hut in a deep ravine mr robert stewart however set out in a canoe with five men and an interpreter ferreted out the wreckers in their retreat and succeeded in wrestling from them their booty similar precautions to those already mentioned and to a still greater extent were observed in passing the long narrows and the falls where they would be exposed to the depredations of the chivalry of wishram and its freebooting neighbourhood in fact they had scarcely set their first watch one night when an alarm of indians was given to arms was the cry and every man was at his post in an instant the alarm was explained a war party of shoshones had surprised a canoe of the natives just below the encampment had murdered four men and two women and it was apprehended they would attack the camp the boats and canoes were immediately hauled up a breastwork was made of them and the packages forming three sides of a square with the river in the rear and thus the party remained fortified throughout the night the dawn however dispelled the alarm the portage was conducted in peace the vagabond warriors of the vicinity hovered about them while at work but were kept at a weary distance they regarded the loads of merchandise with wistful eyes but seeing the long beards so formidable in number and so well prepared for action they made no attempt either by open force or sly pilfering to collect their usual toll but maintained a peaceful demeanour and were afterwards rewarded for their good conduct with presents of tobacco fifteen days were consumed in ascending from the foot of the first rapid to the head of the falls a distance of about eighty miles but full of all kinds of obstructions having happily accomplished these difficult portages the party on the nineteenth of july arrived at a smoother part of the river and pursued their way up the stream with greater speed and facility they were now in the neighbourhood where mr crooks and john day had been so perfidiously robbed and stripped a few months previously when confiding in the proffered hospitality of a ruffian band on landing at night therefore a vigilant guard was maintained about the camp on the following morning a number of indians made their appearance and came prowling round the party while at breakfast to his great delight mr crooks recognized among them two of the miscreants by whom he had been robbed they were instantly seized bound hand and foot and thrown into one of the canoes here they lay in doleful fright expecting summary execution mr crooks however was not of a revengeful disposition and agreed to release the culprits as soon as the pillaged property should be restored several savages immediately started off in different directions and before night the rifles of crooks and day were produced several of the smaller articles pilfered from them however could not be recovered the bands of the culprits were then removed and they lost no time in taking their departure still under the influence of abject terror and scarcely crediting their senses that they had escaped the merited punishment of their offences the country on each side of the river now began to assume a different character the hills and cliffs and forests disappeared vast sandy plains scantily clothed here and there with short tufts of grass parched by the summer sun stretched far away to the north and south 
the river was occasionally obstructed with rocks and rapids but often there were smooth placid intervals where the current was gentle and the boatmen were enabled to lighten their labours with the assistance of the sail the natives in this part of the river resided entirely on the northern side they were hunters as well as fishermen and had horses in plenty some of these were purchased by the party as provisions and killed on the spot though they occasionally found a difficulty in procuring fuel wherewith to cook them one of the greatest dangers that beset the travellers in this part of their expedition was the vast number of rattlesnakes which infested the rocks about the rapids and portages and on which the men were in danger of treading they were often found too in quantities about the encampments in one place a nest of them lay coiled together basking in the sun several guns loaded with shot were discharged at them and thirty-seven killed and wounded to prevent any unwelcome visits from them in the night tobacco was occasionally strewed around the tents a weed for which they have a very proper abhorrence on the twenty eighth of july the travellers arrived at the mouth of the walla walla a bright clear stream about six feet deep and fifty-five yards wide which flows rapidly over a bed of sand and gravel and throws itself into the columbia a few miles below lewis river here the combined parties that had thus far voyaged together were to separate each for its particular destination on the banks of the walla walla lived the hospitable tribe of the same name who had succoured mr crooks and john day in the time of their extremity no sooner did they hear of the arrival of the party than they hastened to greet them they built a great bonfire on the bank of the river before the camp and men and women danced around it to the cadence of their songs in which they sang the praises of the white men and welcomed them to their country on the following day a traffic was commenced to procure horses for such of the party as intended to proceed by land the walla wallas are an equestrian tribe the equipments of their horses were rude and inconvenient high saddles roughly made of deerskin stuffed with hair which chafe the horse's back and leave it raw wooden stirrups with a thong of rawhide wrapped around them and for bridles they have cords of twisted horsehair which they tie round the underjaw they are like most indians bold but hard riders and when on horseback gallop about the most dangerous places without fear for themselves or pity for their steeds from these people mr stewart purchased twenty horses for his party some for the saddle and others to transport the baggage he was fortunate in procuring a noble animal for his own use which was praised by the indians for its great speed and bottom and a high price set upon it no people understand better the value of a horse than these equestrian tribes and nowhere is speed a greater requisite as they frequently engage in the chase of the antelope one of the fleetest of animals even after the indian who sold this boasted horse to mr stewart had concluded his bargain he lingered about the animal seeming loath to part from him and to be sorry for what he had done a day or two were employed by mr stewart in arranging packages and pack saddles and making other preparations for his long and arduous journey his party by the loss of john day was now reduced to six a small number for such an expedition 
they were young men however full of courage health and good spirits and stimulated rather than appalled by danger on the morning of the thirty first of july all preparations being concluded mr stewart and his little band mounted their steeds and took a farewell of their fellow-travellers who gave them three hearty cheers as they set out on their dangerous journey the course they took was to the southeast towards the fated region of the snake river at an immense distance rose a chain of craggy mountains which they would have to traverse they were the same among which the travellers had experienced such sufferings from cold during the preceding winter and from their azure tints when seen at a distance had received the name of the blue mountains End of chapter forty three